Well, good morning. Last week we saw another unexpected turn in the book of Ruth. It was not, though, another tragedy. It was an unexpected blessing. What we learned last week in chapter 2 was that our circumstances don't write our story. God does. The unexpected turns in life, you see, are not unexpected by God. We may not be in control, but we can trust the one who is. We may not know the future, but we can trust the one who does. Would you say amen to that? All right. So in chapter 2, we saw the sovereignty of God at work. Because in chapter 2, Ruth, without human direction, met a man named Boaz, who just happened to be a kinsman redeemer for her family. Without human direction, she found this guy named Boaz, who just happened to be a kinsman redeemer for their family. So some of you left last week asking, Pastor Keith, what is a kinsman redeemer? Well, that's what today's message is all about. So open your Bibles to Ruth chapter 3. Book of Ruth chapter 3. It's right after the book of Judges in the Old Testament. Ruth chapter 3. Now, we're going to do a little things a little bit different today. What, what I, I'm going to do is to tell you the story, then we're going to read the story, then we're going to learn from the story. All right, so if you found Ruth chapter 3, I want you to do just what I'm doing. I just want you to lay your Bible aside. You're not going to need it for a little bit. I just want you to sit and listen to the story that I'm going to tell you. Now, the last time that we saw Ruth, she was working in a field, right? She was gathering grain in a field. Chapter 2 ends this way. Just listen to it. Chapter 2 says, So Ruth stayed close to the servant girls of Boaz to glean until the barley and the wheat harvest were finished, and she lived with her mother-in-law. So the end of chapter 2, it emphasizes she wasn't just in the field that one day when she met Boaz, but she was in the fields working until the, the harvest were finished. Now, the barley harvest occurred during the months of March and April. The wheat harvest would occur during the months of June and July. So for about four or five months, she's out in the fields working day by day. So you need to understand, but between chapter 2 and chapter 3, there's a four to five month period there. Time goes by four or five months. Now, I don't know, this is just my theory, but I bet you would agree with me. I bet during those four or five months, Boaz came to check on the fields a lot more than he used to. Don't you think that? I remember when Lisa and I were first kind of getting to know each other at college, and she knew my schedule. Uh, she just happened to be coming by Henderson Hall as I was coming out of class. She just happened to be going by that way, you know, because she knew my schedule. She knew when I was leaving. And you do those kind of things, right? When the, when the relationship is developing, when it's just starting, when the relationship is just budding, you do those kind of things. You know, during that four or five months, uh, we don't have record of this, but, but it's my speculation that probably they spent some time together outside of the grain field as well. More than likely... Uh, Boaz went over to Ruth's home and ate dinner with Ruth and Naomi during that time. They probably went on top of a hill there in Bethlehem and watched the sunset. For There was four or five months of talking and laughing and falling in love. One day, one day Naomi said to Ruth, it's time for you to take the next step. Okay, what's the next step? She said, well, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go take a bath, get cleaned up, 
And then I want you to put on your prettiest dress, and I want you to put perfume on. And Boaz will be winnowing barley tonight down at the threshing floor. So I want you to get all cleaned up real pretty, and I want you to go down to the threshing floor tonight in your pretty dress and with your perfume. But don't let him see you there. Okay? So here's what you need to do. You just kind of stay in the shadows, and, and when he lies down at the end of the night, he'll stay there tonight because he'll be guarding the grain. And so when he lies down tonight, after he's asleep, I want you to go quietly over to him in your pretty dress and your perfume, and I want you to uncover his feet, and I want you to lay there at his feet. So... Ruth was probably looking at Naomi like some of you are looking at me right now. Like, do what? And why? And the reason I say that the Ruth must have been looking like that is because Ruth, uh, Naomi then said, he will tell you what to do. You just, just do it. He'll tell you what to do. So, guess what happened? Ruth said, I'll do whatever you say. And she went and took a bath, put on her prettiest dress, put on her perfume, when it got nighttime, she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her matchmaking mother-in-law told her to do. When Boaz, is, when Boaz had finished eating and drinking, he was in good spirits, and, and he finally went to lay down there near the grain pile, and, and before long, he was asleep. And so Ruth quietly walked over. Nobody else was, could see her. She made sure of that. Quietly walked over took the blanket and uncovered his feet, and then just laid down. And she laid there, and she waited. And she waited, and she waited, and she waited. You know, you, you can imagine what it's like just laying there watching somebody else sleep. Some of you know what that's like, right? You're just lying there, and you can hear him snore. And you're just, she's just laying there, and she's just looking up at him every so often. Now, the, the good part of this story, it says something startled him. In the text, it says something startled him. It doesn't tell us what startled him, but I have a theory. I think she finally tickled his feet. I don't know that for sure, but the Bible does say that something startled him. And he woke up, and suddenly he was shocked because he saw a woman laying at his feet. Now, it was dark. But he'd tell it was a woman, and he didn't know who it was, so he asked the obvious question, Who are you? And then he heard a familiar voice. And the familiar voice said, I am Ruth. I don't know what went through his mind then. As he began to put together quickly, the computer in his mind began to put together, what is she doing? Why is she here? What's going on? This is Ruth. And then that familiar voice said something else. She said, spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are my kinsman redeemer. Now suddenly, he's wide awake. And the reason that he's wide awake is because Ruth has just proposed to her, or to him. Yeah, Ruth has proposed to him. Yeah, that's right. Now, that's really the way that it happened. I mean, Ruth proposed to him. You see, get this in your mind. Here's Ruth, a young widow, and here is a wealthy older man. In fact, let me tell you how old he is. Throughout the text, he calls her daughter. He's probably literally old enough to be her daddy. And in fact, he's probably closer to Naomi's age than he is to Ruth's age. And so, 
The reason you need to know that is because when she said, cover me with your garment because you are my kinsman redeemer, he said to her, you could have had any man in this community, especially the young guys. You, you could have taken your pick of any of the young bucks in this community. Whether rich or poor, you could have taken your pick. But because you've chosen me, I will honor you and do for you anything that, that you want me to do. You won't have to worry about anything. You won't have to be concerned about anything. And all of a sudden, Ruth gets this smile on her face, and she's so excited because she's going to get married to Boaz. I mean, life is starting to turn around. This is going to be extremely, extremely, extremely a happy time. But then he said something that must have made her heart stop for a second. You know what he said? He said this. He said, now it's true that I am a close relative, but there is one even closer than I am. Apparently, he's been thinking about this. Apparently, he's been thinking about the possibility of marrying Ruth. And so he reluctantly but honestly says, yes, I am a kinsman redeemer. Yes, I am a near relative. But to be honest with you, there is one closer who's close, more closely related than I am. And to be honest about it, he, he gets first choice. He's the next in line. Stay here tonight, he said. And in the morning, I'll go talk to him. Just stay the night. And there was no sex involved or anything like that. Some people try to make something out of this. There was no sex involved or anything. He just laid there. She just laid there. And he said, just stay here tonight. And then when daylight comes, I'm going to go find him. I'm going to talk to him. I have to offer him the first opportunity. But if he doesn't want to marry you, then he says to her, I promise you I will. I will. I doubt that Ruth slept much that night. She may not have slept any at all. Because here was another unexpected turn. She didn't want to marry another relative. She wanted to marry Boaz. She wasn't in love with another relative. She was in, in love with Boaz. She loved him. He loved her. And so my guess is she probably laid there that night wide awake, worrying and wondering what would happen when the sun came up. So Boaz and Ruth, when the sun came up, got up before others could, were getting up. They got up early, and, and he, he noticed that she had a shawl around her shoulders. He said, let me have that shawl you have on. And he took the shawl, and he dumped into that shawl six measures of barley, and he wrapped it up, put it back on her back, and said, you don't need to go home empty-handed. Take this home to Naomi. Now, so Ruth leaves, and she's going back home, and Naomi... Remember Naomi? Remember how all this started? Matchmaking Naomi? So, do you think Naomi slept much last night? No, not at all. Naomi's probably just so anxious. She's at the door. Now, remember, this was before they had cell phones. You, you couldn't text and say, how'd it go? This is before all of that, okay? And so, Naomi is anxiously waiting to see Ruth come over the hill and come back home. And she sees her carrying this big sack of something, but she's not worried about that. Her, her focus is on Ruth. And as soon as Ruth walks in the door, she asks the question that all moms ask. How'd it go? Ladies, you know how that is, right? When, you're, when your son your daughter come in and you're excited about where they've been and what they've done, you want to know all the details. There's something about ladies. You've got to have all the details. 
And all the men said, oh, come on, guys. Don't leave me out there hanging like that. You know I'm right, right, guys? All right, I understand. So Naomi's first question is, how did it go? Ruth told her everything that happened, told her all the details. They were excited. They were laughing. They were giggling. Oh, 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 and he gave me this six measures of barley, too. He said, don't go home empty-handed. Be sure to take this to Naomi. And Naomi probably smiled as she looked at the barley and realized how much Boaz cared for Ruth. And, And then Ruth told her, there's just one problem. He says there's a closer relative than him. He says there's another man I may have to marry. He says there's another kinsman redeemer that's next in line. Naomi looks at the barley. She looks at Ruth. She smiles and says, just sit back and relax, dear, until we find out how things turned out. She said, that man is not going to waste any time. Mark my words, honey. He's going to settle that matter today. And that's how the story ends. That's the end of chapter 3. I wish I could tell you how it it ends in chapter 4, but that's next week. So we got the cliffhanger, just like the television shows. We got the cliffhanger, just leaving you there until you come back next week. Now, let's read chapter 3, and as we read it, I want you to see if I left anything out. As we read it, I want you to see if I changed anything. As we read it, I want you to see what insights that you have. And my guess is you're going to have a deeper understanding of the text because you've listened to the story first. So in chapter 3, verse 1, I'm just going to read the whole chapter to you. One day Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not try to find a home for you where you will be well provided for? Is not Boaz with whose servant girls you have been a kinsman of ours? Tonight he'll be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash and perfume yourself and put on your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know that you're there until he has finished eating and drinking. And when he lies down, note the place where he is lying, and then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He'll tell you what to do. I'll do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor, did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking... And was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man. Parentheses, she tickled his feet. And he turned and discovered a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? he asked. I'm your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a kinsman redeemer. What she was asking is this. I'm interested. Are you interested? Would you like to marry me? If you're interested, if you'd like to marry me, would you take the corner of that garment and would you put it over me? Symbolic of saying, I want to have a relationship with you. Symbolic of saying that you will protect me from this day forward. Verse 10, the Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This this kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. 
And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I'll do for you all that you ask. All my fellow townsmen know that you are a woman of noble character. She had developed quite a reputation in that little town. Although it is true that I am near of kin, here's the big news, here's the the bombshell. Although it is true that I am near of kin, there is a kinsman redeemer nearer than I. Stay here for the night and in the morning. If he wants to redeem, good, let him redeem. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognized. And he said, don't let, any, don't let it be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. He also said, bring me the shawl that you're wearing and hold it out. When she did, when she did so, he poured into it six measures of barley and put it on her. Then he went back to town. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, how did it go, my daughter? Then she told everything Boaz had done for her and added, He gave me six measures of barley, saying, Don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said, Wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens, for this man will not rest until the matter is settled today. Now, the nail that this story hangs on is the fact that Boaz is the kinsman redeemer. I told you, in the, that's, that's kind of the heart of the story. It's not, the heart of, not only the heart of this chapter, it's the heart of the entire book, that Boaz is the kinsman redeemer. I told you in the very first message that this is not just a love story, this is a God story. And this is one of the places where we see the fingerprints of God. You see, the kinsman redeemer is a picture of what Jesus did for you. Let's just kind of dig into the kinsman redeemer idea. It begins in chapter 2, verse 20. Go back a chapter. First time we sit in the book is in chapter 2, verse 20. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. And she added, that man is our, what's that next phrase? Our what? Close relative. That man is our close relative. He is one of our kinsmen redeemers. Now you can break down that title. Kinsman, he's one of our close relatives. That's why it's called kinsman. He's, he's kinfolk. That's what we'd say, right? He's kinfolk. That guy's related to us. He's kinfolk. He's a kinsman. But not only is he our close relative, she also called him a redeemer. Now, you don't usually call people redeemers today, so let me tell you what that word means. The Hebrew word is the Hebrew word goel. He is our close relative, and he is our goel. The word means to redeem, to receive back, or to buy back. I want you to think in terms of buying back. You see, the Goel in that society had a very clear responsibility for his family. As a kinsman redeemer, he had two primary responsibilities. There's actually more than two, but as it relates to this story, there were two primary responsibilities of the Goel or of the kinsman redeemer. First of all, a provision was made in God's law in the book of in the law of Moses. For the per, if, if a poor person ha, was forced to sell his property to deal with debt, or even worse, if he was forced to sell himself into slavery because of debt, his nearest of kin could step in and buy back what the relative was forced to sell. So if, if you were in debt really bad and you sold your property to get out of debt, your nearest of kin could step in 
and buy back the property because the land in that day was, was not just valuable in terms of money, but the land was given to you by God. You did not want that land to leave your family. You'd do anything that you could to keep that land in your family. It belonged to your family. And, and so it was a big deal if somebody sold the land to somebody else who's not part of the family. The kinsman redeemer could come in, step in, buy back that land so it would stay in the family. Or even worse, if that poor person had to sell themselves into slavery to pay a debt, the kinsman redeemer could come in, again, buy back the person who, was, who had sold himself into slavery. That's why he's called the redeemer. Think in terms of someone who buys back, pays the price. And now, write down this reference if you're taking notes. Leviticus 25.25 says this, If a fellow countryman of yours becomes so poor he has... He has to sell part of his property, then his nearest kinsman is to come and buy back what his relative has sold. Leviticus 25, 25. <clears throat> There's a second responsibility that is very clear in this passage of the kinsman redeemer. If a family member dies without an heir, if a man in your family dies and he doesn't have a son, the kinsman redeemer would marry the childless widow and raise the, have a child with that lady and raise that child in the dead husband's name in order to carry on his name. So the goal was to keep the land and to carry on the name so that both of those would be linked together. The brother of the husband who died would marry the widow so that the deceased would have an heir. Which means if you get ready to marry somebody, you not only looked at him, you looked at his brother too. Okay, if I marry him, he would be next in line. And so you look at all of that and you make your decision. If there's no brother to step in, then the next of kin would step in. And he was called the kinsman redeemer. Deuteronomy 25.5, listen to what it says. If brothers are living together and one of them dies without a son, his widow must not marry outside the family. Her husband's brother shall take her and marry her and fulfill the duty of a brother-in-law to her. The first son she bears shall carry on the name of the dead brother so that his name will not be blotted out from Israel. So, Pastor, okay, but this is kind of technical stuff. I understand that, but if you'll just hang on for just a minute. Let me tell you one other thing about the kinsman redeemer. There are four things that are required in order for a kinsman redeemer to redeem. It's just to make sure you're awake and with me, we're going to do it this way today. I'm going to divide it up into sections. This section over here, I'm going to give you an assignment. I'm going to give you guys an assignment, you guys an assignment, you guys an assignment. You guys up in the balcony, you can pick which one you want to go with, okay? So here's the assignment. Four things were required in order for a kinsman to redeem. First of all, this section right here, remember this. This section right here, remember this, because I'm going to ask you in a minute. He must be related by blood in order to redeem. That's the first thing. He must be related by blood in order to redeem. So this, this section right here, you all remember that. The second thing that was, was required in order to be a redeemer was this. He had to be able to redeem. So this section right here, you need to remember that. He has to be able to redeem. That, that means he has the financial resources. That not only is he related to this person, he has the financial resources to do the redeeming, to do the buying back. Over here in this third section, this is what I want you to remember. He also, to be a redeemer, he also had to be willing to redeem. 
So not only is he related by blood, not only does he have the resources to do it, but he also has to be willing to do it. He has to decide that he wants to do that. In fact, in this story in Ruth in chapter 4, the kinsman... Well, I better not give it away. But just, but just remember this. The kinsman redeemer had to be willing to buy back. And then over here on this left section, the kinsman redeemer also, the fourth thing was this. He had to have the resources to pay the price in full. He had to, he had to be able to pay the whole bill in order to redeem or buy back. And so let's review and let's see if you've got it. All right, section number one, in order to be a redeemer, he had to do what? Section number one, be related by blood. Had to be kinfolk, related by blood. Number two, not only related by blood, he also, number two, able to redeem. Has the financial resources to do it. Number three, he had to be, had to be willing to redeem. That is, he, he's willing to pay the price. He's willing to do what's necessary because he has the resources to do it. Number four, yeah, he's got to be willing to pay it in full. He has to have the resources to be willing to pay it in full to, to redeem and to buy back. You say, well, all that's kind of fun, and we understand it better now, but what does that have to do with us? You understand that you too have a goel. You too have a kinsman redeemer. We, had a kins- we have a kinsman redeemer who did for us what we could not do for ourselves. And his name is Jesus. You see, the story of Ruth is an Old Testament picture of of Jesus. We are like Ruth. We're outsiders to the family of God. Remember, she's an outsider. She's from Moab. She's not part of, of God's people. We're outsiders to the family of God. We are in desperate need, just like Ruth. We are in desperate need. And we really have no way to solve our problems. Ruth was in a situation she had no solution for. But her one and only hope, the one thing that gave her hope, was that she had a kinsman redeemer who was related to her by blood, who had the the financial resources and was able to redeem her, who was willing to redeem her, and who was willing to pay the entire price to make that transaction possible. That's the one thing that gave her hope. Ladies and gentlemen, I am happy to tell you today that we have a Goel. We have a kinsman redeemer named Jesus, and he fits all four of those categories. Now, I got bumps on my arms right now, but listen, I'm going to tell you how he fits all four of those categories. Number one, how is he related to us? This section right here, remember he's related to us by blood? How is he related to us by blood? That's what the incarnation was about. That he's not just God from a distance, but he is Emmanuel, God with us. John 1.14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's the reason he became one of us, because he needed to be related to us by blood. Listen to what it says in in Hebrews 2.17. Therefore, he had to be made like his brethren in all things so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. And then number two, not only must he be related to us by blood, number two, he must be able to redeem, right? He must be able to redeem or buy back. And the Bible makes it clear that Jesus is able, that Jesus has the power to redeem us. 
Romans 3, 23 and 24 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. The Bible says He's not only able, He's able to redeem everyone and anyone. Number three, has to be willing to redeem. Jesus said in Mark 10, 45, For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. He was willing. He went to the cross willingly. He went to the cross deliberately. He went to be our Goel, our kinsman redeemer. And then number four, he must pay the price in full. The price must be paid in full. Jesus paid that price in full in order for you and I to receive redemption. Peter tells us that in 1 Peter when he says, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver and gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but you were redeemed by the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He paid the price in full. You see, Jesus is the sinner's kinsman redeemer. We are all without hope. We are all without any able or any ability to change our future. None of us can change the grim picture of our sin. We are all without hope and without a future. We're sinners by nature. We're sinners by choice. None of us can change ourselves. We don't have any hope unless, unless somebody steps into our story to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. Unless somebody steps into our story to be our kinsman redeemer. And our only responsibility is to lay at the feet of our Goel and say, would you cover me with your grace? you cover me with your blood? That's why Paul wrote these words in Ephesians 1.7. Listen carefully, listen closely. He says, in Him, that is in Jesus, in Him we have redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses. According to the riches of His grace He lavished on us. The book of Ruth is not only a wonderful love story, it is a God story. It is a picture of what God has done for you. It is a picture of how much God loves you. It is a picture of how desperately you need Jesus. And how desperately He wants to redeem. Is He your Redeemer? Has He done that for you? I'm not asking if you believe in Him. I'm not asking if you were baptized. I'm not asking if you go to church or Sunday school. I'm not asking any of those, any of those kind of questions. I'm asking, is He your Redeemer? Can you say, I know with certainty in my heart that He did for me what I could not do for myself. He gave His life for me. He died in my place. He died for my sins. And there was a day, and it's crystal clear in my mind, there was a day when I trusted Him as my Redeemer. He is my Goel. He is my kinsman Redeemer. 
If you don't have that certainty, if there's never been that day in your life, today is the day for you to do that. Today is the day to acknowledge how desperately you need Him and how desperately He loves you. Would you pray with me right now? Every head bowed, every eye closed. In just a moment, we're going to have this invitation and I want you to hear that verse again that I read a moment ago. In Him, in Jesus, we have redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses. The forgiveness of our sin. In Him, we have a Goel. In Him, we have a kinsman, Redeemer. The forgiveness of our trespasses because of His blood. Sir, ma'am, I know you might be nervous and you're probably sitting there and your, your foot's going up and down on the carpet. And in just a moment, you're going to stand up and you'll probably grip the front of the pew in front of you as you stand and, and you're going to hold it tightly and you're going to wrestle with what you need to do. And could I say to you, that's just evidence the Holy Spirit of God is working in your heart. That's evidence that the Holy Spirit of God is drawing you to Christ. But you have to decide to let go. You have to decide to claim Him. You have to decide by faith to accept Jesus as your Savior. And as soon as we stand, if you, instead of gripping that pew, as soon as we stand, if you would come walking down this aisle, I will introduce you to your Redeemer. We'll kneel here, we will pray together, and by faith you can claim Him as your Savior, the one who will forgive you of your sin, the one who will provide for you what you could never provide for yourself. I claim it and ask it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.